This passage here about motherhood, ladies, can also be a real source of guilt, can it? In fact, you can read about this gal and, and loathe her because, well, you're expected to be like her. Or are you? Can you live up to her pristine example? Think about it. It's enough to uh, make you hang your head as you think about living in the mega shadow of this woman, the virtuous woman of Proverbs 31. And yet, she is much misunderstood, and I think it's time we talk a little bit more about her today as, as we unravel this gal here. The Bible says that the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. Welcome to Pulpit Power, featuring Pastor Tony Skeving, Senior Pastor of Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. Today's message was previously preached before a church audience. And now, here's Pastor Skeving. Let's take our Bibles, please, at this time, and turn to the Proverbs and the 31st chapter. Proverbs chapter 31. There were a set of parents, they had two boys and one girl, and they were mischievous kids. And they raised them. Finally, the last one graduated, and after that graduation, a friend of the mother said, if you had it to do over again, would you still have kids? And she said, oh, certainly, just not the same three. Maybe you feel like that, or at least about part of yours, I don't know. But in Proverbs 31, we find something not only about parenting, but more specifically about women, about womanhood. And we pick it up in verse number 10, reading till the end of the chapter. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband does safely trust in her, so that he have no need of spoil. Notice that. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She bringeth her food from afar. She riseth also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considereth a field and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hands she planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle, and her hands hold the distaff. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. She maketh fine linen and selleth it, and delivereth girdles unto the merchant." Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised." Give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. Well, we talked from this passage actually last year on this date, but there's so much more in it. So I'd like to give us some more on the virtuous woman. Let's pray before we begin. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you now for the opportunity to study the Word of God. We thank you for our mothers. Thank you for our families. We thank you for a biblical definition of a family. And Lord, that's what we uphold here as Christian people. 
We ask you now to bless our time as we study more about the home and the family and as we admonish and exhort mothers here, encourage them. We pray that you'd help them to be encouraged. We ask all this now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Somebody so well said that if you could write an advertisement uh, for motherhood, an ad for a mother, it would sound something like this, all right? Must be able to work 135 plus hours a week. Must work standing up for most hours, often even overnight. There are no breaks. Eating depends on when the rest of the associates eat. Able to manage 10 to 15 projects at one time. Must be long-term team player for challenging permanent work in an often chaotic environment. Candidates must possess excellent communication and organizational skills and be willing to work variable hours, which will include evenings and weekends and frequent 24-hour shifts on call. Some overnight travel required, including trips to primitive camping sites on rainy weekends and endless sports tournaments in far-off cities. Travel expenses not reimbursed. (laughs) Extensive courier duties also required. Now, what are the responsibilities for this one ad? Well, the responsibilities of the rest of your life must be willing to be disliked, at least temporarily, until someone needs $5. (laughs) Must be willing to bite tongue repeatedly. Also must possess the physical stamina of a pack mule and be able to go from 0 to 60 miles an hour in 3 seconds flat in case this time the screams from the backyard are not someone just crying wolf. Must be willing to face stimulating technical challenges such as small gadget repair, mysteriously sluggish toilets and stuck zippers, must screen phone calls, maintain calendars, and coordinate production of multiple homework uh, projects, must have ability to plan and organize social gatherings for clients of all ages and mental outlooks, must be willing to be indispensable one minute and an embarrassment the next, must handle assembly and product safety testing of a hundred cheap plastic toys and battery-operated devices, must always hope for the best but be prepared for the worst, must assume final, complete accountability for the quality of the end product. Responsibilities also include floor maintenance and janitorial work throughout the facility. Now, what are the possibilities for advancement and promotion? Virtually none. (laughs) Your job is to remain in the same position for years without complaining, constantly retraining and updating your skills so that those in your charge can ultimately surpass you. Previous experience, none required, unfortunately. On-the-job training offered on a continually exhausting basis. What about wages and compensation? Get this, you pay them. (laughs) Offering frequent raises and bonuses. A balloon payment is due when they turn 18 because of the assumption that college will help them become financially independent. By the way, when you die, you give them whatever is left. (laughs) The oddest thing about this reverse salary scheme is that you actually enjoy it and wish you could do only more. Benefits, well, while no health or dental insurance, no pension, no tuition reimbursement, no paid holidays, and no stock options are offered, this job supplies limitless opportunities for personal growth and free hugs for the rest of your life if you play your cards right. Now, who would want a job like that, ladies? That is exactly your job description and not even everything there. You know, I I talked about Proverbs 31 last year, but we really only scratched the surface because there's so much in here about womanhood. 
There are two ladies, perhaps, in my life that have been more influential than any other. And it would have been my mother for the first 20-plus years of my life, and then my wife for the past 30-plus years of my life. They have affected me more than perhaps any other women. And women do affect us, especially those two. In Proverbs 31, we find the, the holy grail of femininity. We find the, the wonder woman of the Bible, the virtuous woman. You've read about her here. She's unstoppable and uh, superwoman. And this woman from Proverbs 31 has perhaps inspired more devotions amongst women, uh, had more books written about her and conventions held for her than anything else in the Bible for ladies. But this passage here about motherhood, ladies, can also be a real source of guilt, can it? In fact, you can read about this gal and, and loathe her because... Well, you're expected to be like her, or are you? Can you live up to her pristine example? Think about it. It's enough to uh, make you hang your head as you think about living in the mega shadow of this woman, the virtuous woman of Proverbs 31. And yet, she is much misunderstood, and I think it's time we talk a little bit more about her today as, as we unravel this gal here. We see what I call, first of all, her domestic vocation. Domestic means home, family, vocation means your occupation, your job. What is the virtuous woman's domestic vocation? We just read a moment ago, 22 verses here, and if you understand the Hebrew at all, they're actually a poem. It's poetry. I'll talk more about that later. This isn't some moral checklist, though, not for ladies. This isn't some grading sheet for husbands that you can put in your wife's face and go, all right, you're, you're not living up to this. No, these are things in 22 verses to praise your wife for, to praise your mom for. These are traits and characteristics for ladies that are praiseworthy. This isn't some uh, cattle prod to goad your wife with, gentlemen. These are things to note with her. These are principles, ladies, to pursue, and there are a number of them. For example, we find in, in verse number 15, it mentions, She riseth also while it is yet night, and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. Now, this is not prescribing, you know, some set time when you're supposed to set your alarm. It's probably been taught that way. This isn't prescribing some particular diet. You know, you've got to get up at five and, and get all this food ready, ladies, or you're not a virtuous woman. No, it's not any of that at all. It's really in that verse talking about responsibility. That's all. It's talking about diligence and being a diligent lady. There are thousands of different ways to serve thousands of different families, and ours might be different than yours. And so you can't have some cut-and-dried, black-and-white thing uh, that you, you, you put your wife's face in and say, this is what you're supposed to be doing. If she gets up at 6 o'clock and makes fresh bread, great. If she brews fresh coffee, wonderful. But this isn't teaching that at all, that she's something less if she doesn't do that. Notice also in verse 16. She considereth the field and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hand, she planteth a vineyard. Now, we say, uh, she's a career woman, she's a businesswoman, she ought to be buying stuff, making money, all that kind of thing. No, it, it doesn't mean that at all. It's simply saying she should be helpful, she should be prudent, she should live on a budget. Now, there's another one. Uh, verse 20, for example. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor, yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. What's that mean? Well, it simply means she's generous, she's thoughtful, doesn't mean she spends all day uh, helping the, the needy at the soup kitchen or uh, knitting a sweater for the needy or something along those lines. And, and ladies, you can beat yourself up reading these things and thinking those kind of things. But what it's saying here is this gal is a blessing. 
So this isn't some kind of checklist that we go down and uh, and we say, you better be like this, ma'am, and you better be like that, man, better be like that, ma'am. Man, you'd never sleep. Her candle never goes out. You would crash. You would burn out. It's not talk about that at all. It's not some haunting inventory that that is is looking you in the face and, and, and making you feel like, I'll never measure up to that. I don't want you to feel that way. Don't miss the domestic vocation here. It's just giving us some principles, and that's what the Proverbs are. For example, in verse 11, it says, The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her. She's trustworthy. That's what we get from that. In verse 12, it says, She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. What do we get from that? That she's supportive. She will do him good. She supports him. She submits to him. That's what the Bible teaches. We find in 2 Peter 3.1 that it says, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. Now, that's not politically correct today, is it? In this uh, day and age of, of the modern woman, that is taboo. But that is what the Bible teaches. Wives, just simply be in subjection to your own husbands. doesn't mean you're inferior to him. It just means there's a chain of command. We find that in the Scriptures. In, in 1 Corinthians 11.3, it says that the head of every man is Christ. And the head of the woman is the man. And the head of Christ is God. Does that mean that Christ is inferior to the Father? No. The Trinity is, is one God, three persons. But there is a rank, if you will. We, we have it uh, in our military. There's the general, and under him the colonel, and under him the major, and then the captain, and I forget how it goes, lieutenant, and, and uh, corporal, and sergeant, and, and private. We have to have some rank and order here. And uh, all men are created equal, no question about that. But there needs to be in the home some order or there's going to be chaos. You're going to have a two-headed monster. And so you have divine order here. And uh, many a woman will submit to the boss down at work, but they, they dig in and they stiffen up when they come to God's divine order. And we we understand that from the Bible. So we see here, first of all, her domestic vocation. But secondly, we see her definite value. Her definite value in verse 10 It says, who can find a virtuous woman, question mark, for her price is far above rubies. Notice here her definite value. Ma'am, you are the only mother to your children. No one else can raise them but you. That makes you rare. That makes you valuable, invaluable. There is only one woman who has ever lived that I have called mom. Think about it. And think of those who call you mom. You're it. You're rare. You're valuable. Verse 10 says your your price is far above rubies. Rubies in Bible times were precious. They were valuable. They didn't have paper money like we have. They bartered with jewels. And I'm telling you, if if they pulled a ruby out, that was worth some moolah. That was really valuable. You cannot, though, however, name a jewel as valuable as a woman. Her, her price is far above rubies. Did you read that? You are invaluable. There is no one like you. In fact, verse 29 says, Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. There is no one like you. You cannot put a price tag on you. We read it a moment ago. That's why you're praiseworthy. We read in verse number 28, Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praiseth her. Now, what is it about you that makes you so valuable? 
well, some things are listed here in the Proverbs. Uh, one would be your time management. Your management of time. Notice in verse 15, back there in verse 15 again. It says, She riseth also while it is yet night, and giveth me to her household and a portion to her maidens. Here she is managing her time wisely. And ladies, in the day and age in which we live, you know, you don't, you don't start a fire under a cook stove anymore and you don't scrub your clothes on, on washboards. I mean, you have these new microwaves and all these gadgets that are supposed to make your life easier, but all they've done is speed it up. And so we just cram more into our 24 hours, don't we? And so ladies need to be wise managers of their time. And we find here that this woman is valuable because she manages her time wisely, especially in these last days. We read in Ephesians 5.16, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We need to redeem the time in these last days, these evil days in which we're living in. And so the virtuous woman here has a definite value upon her because she gets the most out of her day. Secondly, uh, she's valuable because of her insight and her intuition. Notice in verse number 18, just the first two words. She perceiveth. Now, we could talk about a lot of things she perceives here, but the virtuous woman has great insight. She has insight. She has wisdom. We call it a woman's intuition. You've heard that expression. Women have this sixth sense, if you will, this, this hunch, this judgment. And guys, if, if they say, I don't like the looks of this, or I don't like the feel of this, our ears should perk up. Our antennas should go up. Because she perceives. And the virtuous woman is perceptive. Thirdly, she's charitable. She is unselfish. Notice in verse number 20, it says, She stretcheth out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. There we see her heart. And she cares. It's a humanitarian heart there. She helps people out. She helps them with needs that she meets. She helps them with advice that she gives. She speaks wisdom to them. In fact, in verse number 26, notice what it says. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. There she is. She speaks wonderful things. She is kind. She speaks carefully there. We find, fourthly, that she cares for her family, and that makes her valuable. In verse 27, it says, She looketh well to the ways of her household. She cares about her family. Let me just say, fifthly, she's valuable because she's firm and she's fair. I mean, there's a time for mercy, there's a time for justice, and she knows the difference between the two. We read in Proverbs 29.15 that the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Now, corporal punishment is something else that's taboo in this day and age in which we live. But the Bible teaches both the rod and the reproof. There's a time for both here. And, and I know we live in a world where primetime says you shouldn't keep anything from your child. In fact, primetime television doesn't know the meaning of the word no. But it's the very first word my grandson learned and my children learned. And every child needs to learn is the word no. And when they don't understand no, the rod and the reproof give wisdom. But a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Left to their own depravity, folks, you wouldn't like the end result. I mean, the condition they are born in and the wayward path that they are on needs correction. It needs guidance. And moms need to give that to their children. Sometimes it's just a look. When a child is out of line, you know that look. 
I know that look. I used to get it a lot when I was a kid growing up. There's a time for that look. And then there's that time when they need that corporal discipline. In Proverbs 29:17, the Bible says, Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. Notice in time, he will give delight unto thy soul. But correct him now. Correct him while there's hope. And in time, you'll be delighted with the outcome. You know, I was kind of a little uh, busy boy when I was growing up. Found out later I have, have ADHD. And they didn't even diagnose that stuff back in my day. Or I'd have been so riddled and, riddled and up. It, uh, you can imagine how stuff full of riddle. And my mom would have been giving me pills every hour here. You know, we're drugging down the future leaders though, aren't we? If we really think about it. Um, another story here. But I, I could not sit still. Even in class, I'm telling you, I dreaded parent-teacher conferences. I, I knew they were coming up, and oh no, and my, and my mother would go in, she'd get the report, and uh, the, the teacher would say, your son is everywhere but in his chair. That was me. I wasn't drinking Mountain Dew, none of that, but I, I, I was just everywhere but in my seat. I know I was a frustration to my mom. Later on, when I got converted to Christ, my mom did not understand. You talk about further frustration at age 20. She didn't understand. She uh, was a very moral woman, a very a godly woman, a very religious woman, a church-going woman, but not a born-again Christian at that time. She got saved a month and a half before she died. And she didn't have much gray hair when she died. I'll guarantee you what she had. <laughs> I know how she got it, okay? Now, I might have been a handful. Your child might be a handful now, ma'am. But, but will it be worth it? Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. I think of another proverb. Proverb 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. It says when he is old. If you put it in him, it's there, and it'll come back when he is old. He will not depart from it. And so don't stop, ma'am. Don't stop. Don't get discouraged. Continue to invest in your child. There's also something else that makes that woman a definite value. It's found in verse 11 here. It says, The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. Now that could mean a couple of things. Spoil in biblical times was when you conquered somebody, you took their possessions, that was called the spoil. And so men would join the military and they'd go to battle and they would do that sometimes because they were in debt. They needed to pay some bills back home. They needed to bring some spoil home. But if they had a gal back home that was on a budget, that was thrifty, and that was a wise in her spending, they didn't need that spoil. They didn't need to join the military. That's one meaning there. But notice as you read it again, verse 11 says, The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her That means to me that he trusts her opinion. He trusts her judgment, her input. That was unheard of in Bible times. You need to understand something about womanhood in Bible times. The Pharisees of old would thank God for three things quite often. They would pray and they'd say, God, I thank you that I'm not a slave. God, I thank you that I'm not a Gentile dog. But then they'd kind of smirk and say, and God, I'm thankful that I'm not a woman. Now that's awful, isn't it? We need to understand, in the Western world, what Christianity has done to womanhood. Do we really understand how it has elevated womanhood and given it dignity? And so in verse 11, it says, The heart 
of her husband trusts her. He trusts her, her discernment. He trusts her judgment. He heeds her warnings. If she's fidgety about something, he pays attention. If she has a sinking feeling, he's all ears. The heart of her husband doth trust in her. Verse 12 goes on. It says, She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. That's what makes her a definite value. She does him good, not evil, all the days of her life. She does him good. She doesn't rag on him. She doesn't talk him down to the other ladies in the church. She is not critical about him. She is his biggest fan. She is his biggest cheerleader. And she does everything she can to bring him up to the next level with her respect. She is not disrespectful. She does not address him in a snotty voice. Um, She does not use the voice on him she might use on the children. That is taboo for the virtuous woman. We find that there's no gestures on her part, no, no even facial expressions, no tone of voice that is condescending. She does not treat him like a buffoon or a stooge or a dope. Men absolutely despise that, by the way. And that is the exact opposite of what they're looking for. That, that belittling attitude there. That derogatory attitude. I'm, I'm saying if women realized how repulsive that was toward men. They'd repent of it. They'd promise to never do it again. And my mom used to say something. She used to say, a word to the wise is sufficient. And a word to the wise is sufficient. Verse number 12 tells us here, she, the virtuous woman, will do him, her husband, good and not evil all the days of her life. The Bible says in Proverbs 24, or Proverbs 12 and verse 4, that a virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. But she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in his bones. Notice the contrast there. Crown or rottenness in his bones. Crown or rottenness. It says the virtuous woman's a crown to her husband, but she that maketh ashamed, maketh him ashamed, is as rottenness in his bones. You know, we find some women in the Bible that were like a boil on the back of their husband's. I think of Eve, right off the bat, influencing her husband to do something wrong that plummeted this whole human race into the mess we have today. What kind of advice was that? I think of Sarah, who told Abraham, I can't have children, so just take my maiden and have a child by her. Huh? What kind of counsel is that? We have the Jews and the Arabs fighting to this day because of that bad counsel there. The Bible says in Proverbs 14.1, Every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish, notice these words, plucketh it down with her hands. How can you pluck down your house with your own hands? By some of these ways we're describing here. By the way, by being a Pharisee. By being self-righteous. You know, my wife's not perfect. She'd be the first one to tell you that. But she's not a Pharisee, and I thank God for that. You can't believe how I thank God for that. That's got to be one of the most counterproductive things I know in a marriage. Now, there's another way that women can pluck down their home with their own hands. By flirting. By flirting. God help you. I hope you never flirt. But there's examples in the Bible of flirting. I think of Potiphar's wife. Here's Potiphar. He's off working. And and here's his wife with her eyes cast on Joseph day after day saying, come lie with me. Come lie with me. And he's resisting her advances there. What What an ish. What a hussy. And we find women like that in the Bible. 
How about an unspiritual attitude? That's one way a wife can uh, pluck down her house with her own hands. Not interested in the things of God. We, we find uh, a man in the Bible who is the wisest man in the Bible, but he had a wife or wives in this case who were not interested in spiritual things, weren't interested in God. And they turned his heart away from God. I'm talking about boils on the back of men in the Bible. And, 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 and who could forget Jezebel as we're talking about such boils? That, that hellcat of the Old Testament who, who really was such a, uh, a drag down for Ahab, I often wonder if he might not have been okay without her. I see things in Ahab that are almost commendable, but old Jezebel, oh my, or Delilah. And we could talk about a lot of them in the Bible here. But the virtuous woman, however, she's another story. There is the definite value of her. Thirdly, there is the dynamic vitality of her. If you read what I read, these 22 verses a moment ago, she's all over the place. She's doing this, she's doing that, she's doing that, she's doing this. Either she was drinking a lot of Mountain Dew or on, on something, there, she's all over the place. If I could describe her in one word, it would be industrious. She was industrious. Notice in verse number 13, she seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. Notice she's a hard worker. She's industrious. These young men up in the balcony here who are about that college age, if I could give you any advice in what you're looking for for a gal... You say, oh, a knockout, right? No. You're looking for a gal that is a hard worker. I mean, you get so many other characteristics when that gal, I can't explain it. But I thank God, my wife is one of the hardest working gals I know. Thank God for that. And so, notice her dynamic vitality. In verse 15, it says, She riseth also while it is yet night, and giveth meat to her household, and a portion to her maidens. Notice she's innovative. She's on a budget. She can get something out of nothing. I had a a husband praise his wife to me here a while back. He he said, we might not have much in the cupboards, but I'm telling you, I can come home and there will be this great meal on the table. My wife could make something out of mud, he said. I'll never forget that. That's a virtuous woman here. Notice she has an obligation to her family. In verse 15, she riseth also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. Notice she works willingly according to verse number 13. She works hard. She works with a good attitude. You know what the Bible says in Psalm 113.9? It says, He, God, maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Are you a joyful mother? The virtuous woman of Proverbs 31 is a joyful woman. She works, she works willingly. Notice how she works in verse 14. It says, she bringeth her food from afar. In verse 19, she layeth her hand to the spindle, and her hands hold the distaff. Verse 21, she's not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. Notice verse 27. She looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. She's diligent. She's industrious. She is ambitious. She's energetic. And by the way, she worketh willingly, the Bible says. She is a joyful mother. Not griping as she's working, not talking about these stinking dishes that need washing, these stinking clothes that need washing. 
This stinking dusting that needs doing. You know, there are places in this world where they don't have any stinking food to even prepare or any stinking plates to clean up afterwards or any stinking floor. I've been in in places in Africa where it's a dirt floor and they would love to have a floor to scrub. The virtuous woman worketh willingly. In verse 17 it says, She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. By the way, that's not talking about getting ripped. We read that, oh, she's got six-pack abs. She's down at the gym all the time. That's not at all what it's talking about. It's talking about her inner strength. It's talking about her inner character here. She girdeth her loins with strength. Notice her dynamic vitality. And then finally, we see her dainty virtue. Remember verse 10? It started out by saying, who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. She's virtuous. That word in the Hebrew means she's chaste. She is moral. She is pure. It's not a word God throws around. In fact, there's only one lady in the whole Bible by name that is called virtuous. And it's not Mary. It's not someone you might think. It's little Ruth back there in Ruth 3.11. Boaz said to her, for all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. Now, We've been talking more about the virtuous woman here. And at the outset, I said these 22 verses were actually a poem. They're poetry. They're more than that. You know how our English alphabet has A, B, C, D, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, uh, S. I could go further if I wanted. But the Hebrew alphabet has 22 letters in it. And in these 22 verses, don't miss this. This is so neat. This is an acrostic. Every first word begins with the next letter in the Hebrew alphabet. You say, well, why would God do that? For memorization. I believe these 22 verses, these characteristics about womanhood, were something that the little kids were memorizing in the synagogue as they grew up. And I I study and find, at least from my reading, that on Friday evenings they'd sit around the table as they were about to start the Sabbath and celebrate it, and the candle was lit there, and all the the Jewish stuff was set out, that the Jewish little boys and girls would recite these things to mom quite often. Man, what could be more heartwarming than that? Can you get that picture? A, you're this. B, you're that. C, you're that. And they would recite these 22 verses by memory. You know, we find her dainty virtue mentioned here in this passage. There's something about women... Uh, they can make a house a home, can't they? I'll never forget when I first married my wife and uh, we honeymooned and uh, brought her back to my mobile home. It was a 1963 Marshfield, 12 by 60. And uh, I had decorated it in um, early armpit, I call it. Uh, it. It was a mess. It really was. And my wife didn't have much to work with. But I'm telling you, when she got back there and, and, and to, after the honeymoon, and she started decorating that place. I remember coming home from work and just going, wow. There's something about a woman. She can make so much out of so little there. It's no wonder the Bible tells us in Proverbs 18.22, Whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor of the Lord. That means that wife brings him up. She brings him up to the next level. And blessed is the man that findeth a wife, he hath found a good thing, according to the Bible. In fact, notice verse 23 of our text here. It says of the virtuous woman, her husband is known in the gates. 
when he sitteth among the elders of the land. I always read that and I go, oh, big deal. She's working like a dog, and he's sitting there amongst the elders of the land. What's it talking about here? Well, it's talking about the fact that uh, she has uh, brought him up, and he is now successful because she's behind him. She's behind him. I uh, had an uh, older gentleman in the church here recently give me a, a compliment. He, he, he said, Pastor, you're such a blessing. And my wife was standing nearby, and he said, So are you, Mrs. Skeving. She was kind of standing behind me a little bit. And he said, Behind every great man, there's a great woman. And I thought to myself, Thank God for women who bring their, their men up. Most of us marry in over our head, don't we? And uh, like me, you've probably noticed some guy who's just a, He's a klutz, and he gets this great gal, and you go, how in the world did that ever happen? I'm looking out right now at some guys like that here. How in the world? No, just kidding here. You know, the woman adds class to the man, and that's all it's simply saying. He now sits in the gate with the elders of the land. Well, finally, in verse 30, it says, Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. I was online this last week reading the news, and off to the side it said a list of, of Hollywood's most famous atheists. I thought, oh, this ought to be interesting to a preacher. I was curious who they were. So I clicked it on. A number of them were women. And they were chiding how they were so beautiful, and they didn't believe in God, and they didn't need God. And I thought to myself, big deal. Verse 30 says, favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. God is first in her life. Now, sir, she might love you, but she worships God. Kids, your mom might do everything she can to be a blessing to you, but you, you don't come ahead of God. And, and, and ma'am, don't make little gods out of them, okay? You worship God. Now, ma'am, if you are currently on this earth, you have been put here by God. It's a divine appointment to raise the next generation. The godly generation. And ma'am, uh, never forget what a privilege that is. Thank God for that. It's not a burden, it is a blessing. These are children God created in your womb and entrusted you with. What a sacred trust that is. Pray for your children. There's something about a mother's prayer that it just puts a tent around their kids of protection. Pray for your children. And then finally, realize what a rarity you are. You are so rare. You don't hear that from the, the media, but you are so rare and so appreciated. You deserve a Purple Heart, in my estimation, for, for what you have to do. You are simply such a blessing. May God bless our virtuous women. You've been listening to Pastor Tony Skeving of the Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. If you would like a CD of today's message, you can obtain one by sending a gift of $2 to Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. That address again, Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. We hope you'll join Pastor Skeving next time right here on Pulpit Power. Pulpit Power is a production of Heaven 88.7.